Praise be to God. Amen. 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 Um, this is a very unique time and unique um, opportunity to preach the word on November 3rd. Uh, we have a youth service on November 3rd, um, election day here in the U.S. And uh, I was speaking to uh, one of the people that was trying, battling through the lines to get to the polls um, today. So if you voted early, did you guys vote early? Uh, if you did, <laughs> you, did a, you made a wise decision, because you would probably would be right now um, in the lines, and now they close at 8 or something like that. Uh, but very, um, very unique times, very um, interesting times. And, um, you know, I, I want to say thank you to all of those who came actually yesterday uh, to the prayer, uh, to pray for, for our pastor, Peter, Peter uh, Maisevich uh, Sayanka. We were right outside Tacoma General. Um, if you were praying with us, but you couldn't make it, um, that's awesome as well. Uh, if you didn't know about it, uh, don't worry about it now. Um, we'll uh, have more prayers for the pastor and um, our other brothers and sisters that are sick. But I was encouraged. Honestly, I was encouraged to see uh, you there, uh, to be part of um, a bigger body of believers that are coming together um, and exercising as we go exercise our right to vote, we came and exercised our, um, what we believe. And we believe that uh, Jesus Christ has the healing power over not only our spiritual state, our physical bodies. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Amen. Amen to that. Um, today we are going to be um, in Ephesians in Ephesians um, 1, as Andre already said, uh, and we read through Ephesians 1. But before I start reading, I want to remind you and ask you if you remember what was the topic of our New Year's. Anybody? Somebody says Vision 2020. Yes, that was the topic that we chose for New Year's. And... Um, Little did we know, little did we know that we had um, zero vision of what's going to happen this year. Isn't that true? Um, of course, God knew what's going to happen this year, what will happen. But um, we had no idea what the year of 2020 will bring. And I believe probably not a single person that is sitting here or watching us um, have been untouched by this. By, the, uh, by this year and what happened in this year. You know, church closures, uh, changes uh, with the job circumstances, um, uh, just family hardships, um, social gatherings are restricted. You can't go to a funeral. You can't go to a wedding, really. Um, and, um, and the masks. Oh, we all love our new accessory. Isn't that, isn't that true? Um, the masks are just the highlight of all of this. Adding a very difficult political situation 
in our country, um, if it's ever been um, not difficult, uh, but especially this year, I think there's a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety. And personally, I think it, it is especially frustrating for the young people. You know, people build all these hopes for the future, um, college, career, marriage, right? Family. Um, how can you look into the future positively and have some kind of hopes, some kind of expectations for anything good, given everything that we see around us? Is there anything that we can be uh, confident in? And you know, our life, uh, our culture has surrounded us with very graphical um, images, all this um, interactive uh, reality content of what is going on around us, what is going on around the country, around the continent, and, and the world. And people are constantly in touch with that, connected with that. The news have dominated the public life and our minds. Wouldn't you agree with that? People are constantly thinking about it, dreaming about it, waking up with worrying about what they read or heard yesterday. And uh, when we stop for some reason, when um, we stop this external stimulus, when all of a sudden we lose power, when all of a sudden our battery dies, and we're not receiving any notifications, we're not receiving any reminders, we start panicking. What happened? Is did the life stop? What's going on? We're so used to always constantly being bombarded with, um, you know, what's going on? What's going on? Uh, somebody texted me. Somebody this. Somebody that. I need to respond. Um, I think um, a lot of us can relate to that. And I believe this is one of the reasons why Paul wrote this letter to the church in Ephesus, to these young believers living in the church in Ephesus. And um, I, I, I named uh, this um, my sermon, Can You See Clearly? Can you see clearly today? Can you see clearly? Um, and what can you see clearly uh, as far as in the future? Uh, this is an uh, ancient Ephesus, as it is, uh, as, it, as is, it is discovered, uh, dug uh, from the from the ruins and the, and the, whatever is remaining, uh, you can see that this city was uh, a very much modern, well um, built city. It had uh, it had a port. It had a good uh, defense system. It was protected. But if you notice, if you pay attention um, and you look, you see that there's a lot of um, entertainment centers. There is a huge emphasis on entertainment. It's right in the middle of the city. This huge theater uh, that is in the middle of the city, uh, possibly that's where Paul was speaking his famous sermon on Mars Hill. Um, and... Uh, um, but it was the center of public life. You will also see in the background uh, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, and that's the temple of Diana, uh, 
Artemis, uh, the goddess Artemis that the whole Ephesus apparently, and not only Ephesus, but surrounding uh, cities in, in Rome were worshiping. If you recall, um, in Acts, there was an incident where a, bunch, a lot of people got together and they said that they seized the believers and um, they wanted to get Paul, but they seized the believers and they said that these people have, um, um, have something in mind to undermine our goddess Artemis. And they brought them into the amphitheater or theater and they were screaming for hours. Glory to, or great is uh, Artemis, the goddess of Ephesus, something like that, um, for hours. Can you imagine that? Um, <laughs> we have a hard time half an hour in worship. <laughs> These people are screaming for hours, praising this goddess that they, um, that they worship. Fascinating. Just fascinating history, you know. Uh, but this is the city where uh, Paul found, um, not actually not Paul, uh, but uh, a few believers before him, and Paul himself then came and taught in Ephesus for two years, I believe. Um, and this young church of believers was born here in this very hostile um, situation, very hostile times uh, for the Christian faith. And the reason for that, why it was hostile, because everybody believed and honored, bowed down to Caesar. Caesar was the top head. He was basically revered as God um, in Rome, and uh, people, people uh, worshipped him. And only this group, small group of people that called themselves followers of the way, they seem to have somebody else claiming that there is some kind of Jesus that um, is the only one, he is the only one who deserves to be bowed down to, to be worshipped. And more than that, that he was, he died and he was raised from the dead. For that, for those people, for that time, it was very radical. It was very uh, much um, not logical, not something that people would easily accept. And that's what Paul was speaking about when he was speaking in that amphitheater. He was proclaiming Jesus and telling them about, about that. And they started laughing at him and saying, hey, we're going to listen to you next time. Tell us about this next time. Do you get that impression today when you tell people about Christ? They're kind of smiling, saying, hey, I'm going to listen to you next time. You know, I don't have time right now for this. I'm too busy with life, with things that make sense, with this and that. Um, and Paul, here's Paul writing to this little church um, of believers uh, that are gathering there. And he's writing this letter of Ephesians, a very much uh, theological um, stone for us. Um, and it is very, very interesting and very encouraging to me. The passage, exact passage that I'm going to turn right now, and if you can turn with me, uh, will be um, Ephesians 1, 18 and 19. And here's what Paul says. I pray 
he prays for the believers in the church of Ephesus. Please follow me. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might. So three things that Paul is really uh, talking about here, and I've underlined them. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance? What is the hope of his calling? What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance? And what is the greatness um, of his power? And those are the things I want to dwell with you tonight a little bit on. If you don't think they're relevant to you today, um, I'm really praying with Paul that those things become um, apparent and relevant to us because that's what Paul was praying about. He says in the verse 17 or um, uh, 16, I do not cease giving thanks for you while making mentions of you in my prayer that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of revelation, of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Christ himself. And this is the prayer that he prayed for these people. And he said that, I pray that the eyes of your heart. You know, the heart is at the center of our well-being, of our inner person. The eyes of our hearts, the emotions, and everything that is in us goes through our heart, goes through our mind, goes through our soul. And uh, Paul is praying that the first thing that the believers would experience or realize is what is the hope of his calling. You know, Paul, uh, beginning, uh, beginning this chapter, chapter 1 of Ephesians, he starts with uh, this proclamation. He says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. My dear friends, uh, he is establishing and telling us that he is an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. And um, no one can come to God unless they are called. You know, if you show up at my door, I don't guarantee that I'm going to open to you. You know, if I haven't called you, if I haven't invited you, and you just show up, um, I might open because I recognize, you know, oh, that, that's victory, you know. <laughs> I'll, I'll let him in, okay. Um, but if you show up at somebody's door, uninvited, are they going to open to you? Are they going to are, are be welcomed? You know, especially in our culture, we call those people uh, the party crashers, right, that show up without invitation to, to your wedding, to your um, uh, birthday party. Whatever. But think about God in relationship of blameless, of, of holy God, in relationship to a sinner. How can we approach, come to God without Him inviting you? Him inviting me? There has to be an invitation. And my brother and sister, you know who God uses to invite 
people into his kingdom, into relationship with him. He uses the preachers, these people um, that are um, very interesting people. They are very interesting people. I'll tell you firsthand firsthand experience. But he uses the preacher to extend the invitation. And if through this sermon, as you listen, you hear God's calling upon your life, and if you hear him calling you, please don't resist him. Um, Accept his call and enter into the relationship with him. Answer what, uh, tell him what Paul told Jesus when he revealed himself uh, to Paul. Lord, what shall I do? Lord, what shall I do? That's the appropriate answer when God is calling. And so Paul's prayer for the believers, that they may see something not with their physical eyes, but the eyes of their heart may be enlightened to see the spiritual reality of things. And what is the hope of our calling, my brothers and my sisters? And the hope of our calling is found in the same chapter that Paul describes here in verse um, in the first verses. And he says that, um, that God blessed us with every spiritual blessing. And let me ask you, have God blessed you in your life? Have you experienced God blessing, God's blessing in your life? Have you seen his hand in your life? Paul is claiming that God blessed us with every spiritual blessing. One thing to keep in mind when you listen to the message of truth is that this message is not only relevant in America, in Tacoma, in 2020. This same message is as relevant in North Korea to the believers that are struggling, to the believers that are persecuted in China, in the underground church, in Pakistan, in India. And Paul is claiming He blessed you, us, with every spiritual blessing. That must be separate from the material blessings. That must be something above and beyond what we can touch and feel. He blessed us with every spiritual blessing. And this is what we are. This is our hope. This is where our hope is. He chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. Oh, I love this. He chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. You know, if you're watching this, if you're you're here or if you're watching us uh, online and, and, and you feel like nobody really knows you in this youth, in this church, nobody knows your struggle, what you're going through, My dear brother and my dear sister, let me encourage you that he has chosen you before you were born. He knows your exact struggle. He knows everything that you are going through and will be going through. And more than that, he was pleased to choose you to be in the relationship with him. He predestined us to adoption. I love this. I love this line that he predestined us to be 
adopted by him. I've uh, recently um, I've recently heard a story um, of um, um, of a Jewish boy that was uh, this person uh, is telling his story of his dad that lived in Germany and and this family in Germany before the Nazis um, seized the control of the city of the, of the town, and there was a, a night of the block, broken glass, as they called it. Um, there was a train. Somebody organized the train for the kids, for the Jewish kids, to live, uh, to leave the country. And and uh, this father, this family, took their Jewish boy, and they placed him on this train um, to to leave to England, and to to be saved. And he said, my dad was placed in this train, uh, and, and, and they left. They left, and they came to England. And this wealthy, well-off family, they took him in. They took him in, and they, um, they, paid, they paid for him. They paid for his education. Um, he went on, and he got a PhD degree in chemistry. Um, and they, they adopted him. This young person, this young Jewish boy, had no chances. He had no future. But when this family adopted him, when they took him in, they provided him with all these opportunities. My dear friend, this is exactly what God did for you and I. We were orphans. To be more precise, the Bible says that we were um, aliens and strangers to the covenant of God. Chapter 2, verse 12. Remember that you were at that time separate from Christ. Excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. This is the, the condition of every person today that is, lives in this world. Strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. The only people that were, had the relationship, had even a chance at relationship with God, was the nation of Israel. God chose them. He made them his chosen people. Everyone outside were spectators of what God has provided for his family. What God has, how God has protected them. How God has fought on their behalf. How God has blessed them materially and, and physically and changed the, uh, the things around in the nature for them and stopped the sun for them and did this for them and did that for them with the nation of Israel, with the covenant people. And guess what? The rest were outside of those promises, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel. You and I were excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. This is the condition of people that surround us every day. 
that surround us every day. And if we understand that people around us have no hope, they are without God in the world. It is a very, very sad state to be in. But here's the turning point. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. This is the turning point in your life and in my life, my friend. That but now in Christ Jesus is what makes the difference. You who firmly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And here's what he says. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and of, of God's household. Can I hear an amen? Amen. You are not aliens and strangers anymore. But you are citizens with the saints and are of God's household. That's the reminder. That's the prayer that Paul is praying that the believers would realize. This is the hope of his calling for his believers. He goes on and says that, I pray that you would realize as well that what are the riches of his inheritance? Um, in, in verse 7 it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Redemption is um, an older word that is used here, redemption through his blood. Redemption means to buy back, to buy something or someone back, purchase back, or to free, uh, to set free from bondage. In Isaiah 53, uh, 53 um, it clearly, um, God clearly through the prophet says that, that all of us were like sheep. All of us were like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the servant, the suffering servant, the Messiah, um, was needed to buy and purchase us back. We were lost. We had no hope. We had no hope in, um, in this life. And by his blood, redemption through his blood, uh, the payment was made for our salvation. He set us free from slavery of sin. And you know the interesting thing that we think that we have control over our lives. When we were living in this uh, world, we thought outside of Christ, without hope, we thought that we had made our choices. People in this world wake up in the morning, they make their coffee, they make their plans for the day, and they think that they have choices that they make. But the Bible is very clear that um, 
And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, according to the age of this world. All it is that we see around us is people living according to someone else's plan and not to what they really uh, need to be doing or want to be doing. Although if people believe um, and think that we make our own choices. Where in reality, the scripture reveals to us that people make their choices based on their state, the state of slavery to sin, being dominated by sin, being dead in, our, in your trespasses and sins. This is what life looks like outside of Christ. And he provided us forgiveness of our trespasses. We all failed to reach to God's standards of holiness. He provided us with 10 simple rules to guide our life. 10 commandments. Simple to follow, easy to understand. And yet, all of us failed to fulfill them. And that's why, that's why we needed a Savior to provide. This is the richest. This is what His riches, the riches are of His inheritance, the forgiveness of our trespasses that He provided for us. Forgiveness is simply a gift. It's a complete, complete and perfect gift that we could never earn. You know, our culture is so addicted to free stuff, very much liking uh, the ability to get free stuff. It's very much addicted, I would say, to free stuff. In reality, nothing in this life is free. Somebody has to pay for everything that we get. Isn't that true? Everything that comes to us free, quote-unquote, is paid by someone. There's no such thing as free stuff, despite the popular belief that the government can provide you with free stuff, the free health care, and, and free this and free that. Somebody at the end of the day has to pay for it. And our gift, the gift of salvation, the most important gift that we will ever receive in our life, was also paid by God himself, paid in full. And the more we think about the gift, the gift of redemption, buying us back from slavery, and the gift of forgiveness for all of my shortcomings and sins, the past, the present, and the future, the more I think about the gift, the more we think about the gift, the more we realize how great is the giver. Because everything, the price was paid on his side. He paid the biggest price for our salvation. He purchased us. We are not of our own. And more than that, he has given us a down payment. He has given us... Um, a pledge, a pledge is a down payment. Um, and um, verse 13, 
In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed in this same gospel, you were sealed with him in the Holy Spirit of promise. And what the Holy Spirit is, it's a pledge. It's a pledge. It's an engagement ring that the groom gives to his bride. And he says, this is my promise that I am returning for you. Wait for me. This is what the Holy Spirit is. It is the pledge. It is the first payment, down payment for us. It is, it is this promise ring that our Lord Jesus Christ gave, gives to his believer. And he says that I am coming back for you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord because he is coming back. Because the Holy Spirit that we received, it is the pledge of our inheritance and of our future. And that is so encouraging, my brother and sister. If you, if you have not experienced this, if you have not been in relationship with God, if you don't have the pledge of your salvation, if you don't have the confidence, and if you don't feel the seal of the Holy Spirit on your life, I encourage you to turn to God today. I encourage you to today turn your eyes to Jesus Christ. And ask him to welcome you into your family, into his family. Welcome you into his family of believers. So you would not be an alien to the promises and the covenant of God. You can do that today, wherever you are. And what is the greatness of his power is the last point that we will look at. It is the last point that... Uh, that Paul is praying for, that the believers would realize with the spiritual eyes. We're talking about the spiritual eyes of our being, not the physical aspects of our life, not the material aspects of our life. What is the greatness of his power towards those who believe? And Paul says that he demonstrates this power in the Messiah by raising him from the dead and seating him at his right hand in the heavens far above every rule and authority, power and dominion and every title given, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. In Asia Minor, in that time, uh, people were very much afraid of evil spiritual beings, um, spirits that dominated people's life. And that had control over people. And Paul saw it necessary that the believers realize who is really on the throne. Who really rules the life. Um, who really is in control. And you know, today things have not changed much. People live in with all kinds of phobias. All kinds of fears and beliefs that something will happen to them that something might happen to them, that someone might affect them, that someone may, may do something to them. Uh, uh, real, real fears or perceived, real dangers or perceived dangers, um, but people live in all kinds of fears today. If you have fear in your life today, 
the good news. And my prayer today, that you would realize that Jesus Christ is on the throne. And you would realize what is the greatness of his power toward you who believes in Jesus Christ. Being the head of the church, Jesus Christ fills the body with his presence and his power. And in chapter 3, verse 19, Paul prays for the believers in a different prayer. And he said, And that you would know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. His claim is that it is not even possible to understand the love, the expanse of, of, of God's love towards us who believe uh, with our human mind. And the only thing we can do is pray that God would enlighten our heart and make us realize who He is, who we are, and what awaits us in the future. And that's my prayer today, my brother and my sister, um, for you and for me. In this trying times, in these times of uncertainty, in the times of difficulty, uh, Paul was praying this prayer then, and we pray this prayer today, that the eyes of my heart and your heart I'm going to pray today in this prayer would be enlightened for these three things. Uh, to know what is the hope of His calling. That He has called you. He has predestined you and chose you from the beginning of the world. What are the riches of His inheritance toward those who believe. And the third thing is the greatness of His power. The strength and power in Christ Jesus um, in this time, in this time of election, you're probably um, possibly sitting there with uh, your phone in one hand, checking the results. Uh, maybe you're sitting here and checking that. And um, you are um, at the same time listening to me. And my prayer is that um, you would remember more of this, of course, and um, your heart's truly would be enlightened because this is what really matters this is what really matters right here is the word of god this will withstand the centuries it did things change for ephesians the city of ephesus does not exist anymore they all met the lord the believers the unbelievers are awaiting judgment and this is what is important to us, to people who live in Tacoma in the 21st century, in the year of 2020, is to know where our hope is, to place our hope fully in, in Christ, and to share the love of Christ to other people. Let our hearts be cheerful today. Whoever wins the election... Let us be cheerful that Jesus Christ is on the throne. That he is the chief and commander of his people. He is the head over the body. 
Nothing is under his, outside of his control. Is that amen? And amen. And amen. And I would like to have this prayer with you, my brother and my sister. And I pray that the hearts, that the eyes of our heart, our spiritual heart would be enlightened. That we would be encouraged when we go tomorrow. Despite the outcomes of this election, I don't know who's winning. And honestly, not that I don't care. Right now, I care more about this. And I'm excited about Christ being on the throne. Because I know that I have future. After this short 30 years, 40 years, how many years, many years God has predestined for us to live here? I have a future. He's awaiting for me. I have a seal, a Holy Spirit as a promise that He will raise me up on that last day. Amen. Let's stand up and pray.